Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? Do you like talking about mediocre movies? Do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies? Well, I certainly do, and you can listen to me, Scott C. Bourgeois, along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, as we give our notes, and I have some notes. You can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice, or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes. Got a long weekend Monday going on here. A nice holiday in February. Yeah. We have uh, <laughs> Family Day in Alberta. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's a holiday ostensibly to spend with your family. Which we did. More or less. More or less. Give or take. We actually included some extra family. We had uh, we had lunch with your mom. Yeah. Yeah. She's just back from a trip and was looking for an excuse to see us, so we met up for lunch. Yeah. Had a good time. It was nice. Yeah, nice kids, little visit. Kids got to play at Grandma's house. Which they always like. Yeah. Now, do you prefer to have a Monday off or a Friday off? Mm, both? Can I have both? Well, if you had to choose one or the other. A Monday. A Monday? Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus. A lot of people like to have the Friday off because then you get a shorter week, but then the next week feels extra long because you're coming off that extra long weekend and then you have to work five days. Yeah. And I've heard people say, like, when you get the Monday off, then your next work week is shorter. So you get like a nice easy work week after your your long weekend, and then you go back into the weekend. Yeah, and then you reset so that you're you're good to go for the the next full five day week. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people complain that they try to fit five days of work into that four days, right? That that short week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's never really bothered me because I don't. Uh, I, I guess I just don't try to do that. <laughs> It does screw me up, though, because then I don't know what day I'm on. Yeah, because Tuesday feels like Monday. Yeah, exactly. But then... But then your Friday comes sooner. Your Friday comes sooner, exactly. It's nice. It's almost like you get a Friday off the next week because Friday feels like Thursday. Yeah, but it's already Friday. Exactly. Lucky you. Yeah. Yeah. So I I enjoy both. I just like having extra time off. It's, It's nice. Yeah. But if you're forcing me to choose, I pick a Monday. There you go. Give me that Monday off. You know who else has taken some time off? The Undetectables? Yeah, segue. (laughs) Very smooth. I love it. Uh, But before we get into their uh, misadventures at the concert, at the gig, it's not really a concert, it's a gig. It's a gig. A brief recap of our previous chapter in which everybody's crime projects are coming together, but not really leading them to any solutions. Uh, We see Diana's little uh, diorama. Cornelia tries to make use of the sprinter. Mallory stares at their chicken board, and it all ultimately doesn't quite lead anywhere. They decide to have a night out on the town, and that's where we find ourselves as we enter into Chapter 10 of The Undetectables by Courtney Smith. I didn't realize it until now, but... Chapter nine was a very good length of wheel spinning without being tedious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sometimes when your characters hit that point in the story where they're spinning their wheels because it's 
you know, part of the story. Mm-hmm. It can be very tedious to read because it feels like filler because nothing's happening. Yeah. Right? This is this was not that. No. Right? And I can only reflect on it now that we've left it. That yeah, that's right? fair. So we will talk about chapter ten in a second, but just kudos to chapter nine for not being tedious. It didn't it, before it carried yeah. on. And let's be fair, we've read books by other authors where there's a lot of filler and it feels tedious. Cough, cough, tent, cough, cough. Ah. But uh, yeah, that I would agree that that didn't feel like it was wasting our time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so we chapter ten. So we arrive at the larics <laughs> with the stickiest floors in town. Gross. Yeah. And Crown and Hemlock, the uh, band, yes, are uh, doing their sound check. Uh, as soon as they get through the door, the trio split up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clearly, Mallory doesn't remember how going out works. Yeah. Because sometimes that's what happens. You get to the bar, you break, you split up, you get your drinks, you get your settled, you find your people, you do whatever, and then you regroup. That is how clubs work sometimes. She's a little bit put out that Diana immediately goes off to help Crown and Hemlock with their costuming. Because of course she is. And Cornelia just kind of disappears to go find some other friends. And we'll we'll meet those friends in a little bit. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Mallory's not alone for too long, though. She exerts herself a little bit to put up like a, a little padding spell so that she's not... Yeah, being bumped into a lot. Yeah. It happens in a bar, especially at a live music event when everyone's crowding the floor. You get jostled around. And for someone with like- Fibromyalgia. Yes. I was going to say, someone experiencing- Chronic pain, yeah. Chronic pain, especially when it comes to touch. I would argue this was worth her effort. Yeah. Worth the the slight exhaustion to put it up because it helped to get her through the night. Indeed. And uh, the good news is that Diana regroups with her very quickly. Mm -hmm. And rightly so. They make their way to the bar, order themselves some drinks. Uh, Mallory does take a moment to register that she should not be having alcohol with her medication and then... Has alcohol. Has alcohol anyway. And on the one hand, no, you should not mix booze and meds that don't mix, right? That's a bad idea. On the other hand, like, good for her. Relax a little, Mallory. Enjoy the evening. Yeah, they also run into a familiar face around this time. Yeah. Our demon from the first chapter, Gray Quinn, shows back up in the text. Yeah. Now, I suspected he would show back up because he was named in the first chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the demon, of course, who, as Mallory puts it, resigned Theodore to a cat-like undeath. Ugh. And, uh, so we already don't like him very much. Yeah, and uh, a thing that Theodore would probably never forgive him for. But we learn a little bit more about him here. He is in real estate. Yes. Now, apparently, and let's be fair, this is a bit of a stereotype. Mm. Demons get into things involving contracts a lot. You don't, you don't say. A lot of them are lawyers. Huh. But uh, Gray Quinn did not follow that particular track. He ended up becoming like a real estate mogul. And he's he's big in real estate in town. And apparently he's making an offer on buying the club. Well, that's sort of what we infer based on the part conversations we get before he gets let into the back office where the possible shady dealings happen. But yeah, he goes into the back office and the conversation is cut off. But yeah. And then he's kind of like kicked out after. Like moments later, like Mallory's not even done her drink. Yeah. Like wasn't very long. And he comes out all like frowny faced and stern and surly, having basically insulted the owners with a clearly lowball offer. I can't help but think the shady dealings are going to come into practice 
a little later because there was a lot of explanation about Langdon, who's a member of the band. Mm-hmm. His uncle is the owner of the club, mm-hmm. which is probably why his band is playing there. Probably. And there are, you know, some shady dealings. Yeah. Like some- Like uh, the fairy mafia, basically. Basically. And I just, I can't help but to think that this is absolutely going to come into play later because the book spends a fair amount of time explaining it to us. Yeah. Mallory also circles back to something Cornelia had mentioned earlier in the novel, which is that uh, the nightmare is involved in real estate himself. Apparently, he's been involved in buying up a bunch of properties around town because he's looking to build like a prison. Yeah, I think. Like a for-profit prison. Right. Yeah. And from the sounds of it, Grey Quinn is potentially involved. Mallory makes the connection here. And it would make sense. We don't know for sure, though. No, we don't know for sure. Yeah. We are inferring because we are kind of being led in that direction, I think. Well, because that's an inference that Mallory makes. Yeah. 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 So the band finally goes on and they play a pretty good set. It's weirdly gory. Right? Like they're splashing blood on themselves. I Okay. So I imagine it. it's like a weird rock and roll-y EDM kind of style of music that I can't imagine in my own head. But I'm sure it's lots of fun. And yeah, they're splashing blood on themselves and there's sparkle effects and it's a doozy of a show because magic, right? Mallory does catch sight of Cornelia and her friends. She appears to be hanging out with a group well, of vampires. One friend uh, in particular. Yeah. Who's like glommed onto Cornelia's face. Yeah. Yeah. This is B. We'll get to know him we'll in a bit. We'll get to know B in a second. Show comes to an end. Yay. Uh, all of their friends, as you do after you've been to a concert that your friends are playing at, you go up, you chat, you congratulate yeah, them. Yeah, you're like, hey, it was a really good show. Good job. Woo. Yeah. And this is where Cornelia brings over her new friend. Yes. To introduce him to the group. His name is Beckett. Yeah. And uh, he, his nickname of B is appropriate because he is one. Oh, Oh my. Yeah. Okay. So our very, very first interaction with Beckett, we don't even know it. He is some rando who bumps into Mallory and Diana. Yep. He's just kind of a jerk. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. just, you know, strangers being a jerk because anonymity lets you do that, I guess. Diana wants to hex him, which is yeah. fun. Anyway, so he's a he's a jerk and he wanders off into the crowd and they're like, Oh, thank God we never get to see him again. And then they get to see him again. And then he gets introduced as Cornelia's- Plus one. Yeah, her friend. Yeah. Like, he is the king of bad first impressions. Absolutely. Um, I have never seen a worse impression. It was, it was and let's very be fair. well done, actually. And let's, let's be fair. It's not even his first impression because he had a first impression when he insulted uh, Mallory right off the cuff. Yep. This is a bad second impression. A worse second yep. impression. Yep, like it just, he just keeps digging. Yep, like for starters, he won't let Cornelia get a word in and just keeps talking on her behalf. Yep. He calls her corn, which all of her friends know that she hates. And she visibly reacts with hatred to. Yeah. But just kind of lets slide. Ugh. He then deliberately insults their friends in the band. Yes. By committing what is apparently a grave insult to a fairy. Yes. By crossing over their body. Yes. And then he plays it off like, oh, no, I didn't, I got mixed up. Sorry, man, I forgot. Yeah. And besides, you guys were throwing blood around, and that's insensitive to me as a vampire, and you don't see me going off about it. In fact, you should apologize to me, you big fairy jerks. And I'm like, just shut up. Yeah. Stop talking. Yeah, he gets kicked out of the club. Thank God. Okay. 
So, now that we've discussed what happened, yeah. let's try and figure out what is happening. <laughs> we don't know Cornelia's side of the relationship at the moment. We don't. Because she hasn't explained anything. Is she better? Because what? Yeah. Who is this guy? Why is she letting him treat her like that? What? What? Okay. I wrote this in my notes. I don't understand how Thrall works yet in this particular universe, mm-hmm. right? But that was my first thought, is that she is clearly under his thrall because why on earth would Cornelia let anyone treat her like that? That is not the Cornelia we have come to know in the past few chapters. Mm-hmm. Agreed. We don't know her side of the story. No. We, we don't. don't technically we don't know Beckett's side of the story either. I don't want to know. Um he's just a big old jerk, but uh I mean there could be something more going on there. Uh further to that point, I will say we now have a named vampire character. If yes. you want to go back to your theory that there's a vampire on the murder spree. Right? Yeah. That's that was something that stood out to me. It's like, "Oh, Beckett, a vampire." Yes, a very instantly hateable vampire, which leads me to believe a red herring. But well, I probably, but still, what? Indeed. Either a red herring or like a plant who's just really bad at his job. I don't know. Or maybe a serial killer. We really don't know. We really don't know. I mean, we did subtly suggest we were suspicious of Jacob last chapter. So let's let's be fair. <laughs> at the moment, we're suspicious of everybody. Uh, yes, we are very irresponsible that way. Yeah, I'm. I'm hesitant to really dissect the relationship dynamic based on one interaction. poor interaction. Okay, fair. Especially when we haven't heard from Cornelia yet. Here's the thing, though. If you start seeing a guy, and your friends immediately hate him. Yeah, there's red flags all over the place. That is so many red flags. For Great sure. Great big red flags. And Diana and Mallory are both immediately like, oh, we need to have a talk to Cornelia about this. So immediately, <laughs> Diana hates him. Oh, yeah. Immediately. And honestly, I think Mallory's kind of in shock. She obviously doesn't like him. But I mean, yeah. she hasn't said anything, and I think she's just dumbfounded. Like, what is happening? Well, especially because Who is this guy? Y- she's in the same boat that you're in. In this moment, which is, I know Cornelia, and this guy seems totally wrong for Cornelia. This is the exact wrong person. Yeah, so what is going on here? So again, that's why I kind of want to hear what's going on here from Cornelia. Right? Except, I don't think we're going to get that. Probably not next chapter, because then a murder happens. Exactly. Yeah, you know how I predicted last chapter that they were going to go have a night out, and then there was going to be another murder? Yep. So that the plot could get some momentum? Yep. That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, because sometimes you can read a book without reading a book. (laughs) So here's the thing. We don't know exactly what happens yet, but when I got to the end of the chapter and I checked to see if next chapter was chapter 11. It is not. It's Perimortem 2. It is a Perimortem 2. So that's not spoilery. No. Because I don't exactly know what's happening, but we do know there's going to be another murder as predicted. Indeed. As foretold. As foretold. And it looks like the murder does indeed happen at the club, which means that they will be, or at the very least, very near the club. Yeah. Because the screaming happens within their earshot. Yeah. Because that's how the chapter ends. Yeah. Right? They're about to go outside and hail a taxi, and then they're screaming. Yeah. Which leads me to believe the murder happened in or around the club. I would argue Uh, just outside. Which means also that they will likely be very quickly on the scene, which will be good for their case. Yes. Because they'll be able to see a fresh victim Mm -hmm. as opposed to one that is weeks old. Exactly. This also does kind of lead to the possibility that our murderer was at the club that night. Mm. And there are two suspicious characters who are immediately going to be... Suspicious? Suspicious. And I suspect... (laughs) 
at risk of saying <laughs> suspicious again, that the undetectables will think that as well. And those would be Gray Quinn mm-hmm. and Beckett. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see what happens, won't we? Was Jacob at the club? I doubt it. Or still suspicious of that guy. <laughs> Super sus. Anyway, uh, yeah. So we'll have to see what the perimortem yeah. reveals to us, I guess. The problem with there being a murder at the end of this chapter is that that doesn't leave a lot of space for Cornelia to explain herself. No, so we're not going to get that for a bit. Yeah, they'll be jumping right back into work. Yeah. Yeah. Want to know. Well, I'm sure we'll find out. But maybe not next chapter, <sighs> which is perimortem 2, which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. Uh, in the meantime, of course, as always, you can give us a little rating and a review because that helps us out. Yeah, and we appreciate them. Yeah. You can also reach out to us via social media. Absolutely. The list continues. We are on X, formerly Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads, and now Blue Sky. We are at the read along for most of those. Yeah, you can also send us an email. Oh, please do. We love mail. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. I'm pretty sure I've been to that club before. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Thank you.